Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Danielle Shanahan of Hoka Northern Arizona Elite. Danny is a California native and graduate of Loyola Marymount University who joined NAZ Elite in 2018 and has a personal best of 1526 in the 5000. Last weekend, she had a huge breakthrough race at the Sound Running Track Meet, setting a personal best of over a minute to run 3122 in the 10K and get the Olympic standard. We talked about that wild race in depth in this episode, as well as what it felt like to join a big pro group coming out of a small college experience, and how chasing her teammates got her to that next level. We also talked about the new season of The Mandalorian, our Christmas wish lists, and the best albums of 2020. This episode really was a delight to record. There are a few glitchy Zoom moments, but overall our virtual recording turned out well, and I have a good feeling you'll be as big a fan of Danny's as I am by the end of the episode. Subscribe, like, and whatnot wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, enjoy. Until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Nelly. Uh, and we have a great guest with us this week, calling in remotely from uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. We have Danny Shanahan. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Are you? You're in Flagstaff, right? Yes. And yeah. I always there's. You never know with the the virtual remote world that we're living in. Yeah, uh, I can be anywhere. I could just be telling you I'm in Flagstaff. You'll never know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, an undisclosed location. <laughs> I've That's, been back in Flagstaff. We record all our episodes from a bunker. That's uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, well, welcome. Um, it's great to have you here. We uh, we have never met in real life, so this is nope. a, this is a virtual introduction. So. <laughs> nice to meet you, David. <laughs> nice to meet you too. We have had uh, no pressure, but we've had great success with NAZ Elite guests on the pod in the past. So I'll, I'll try to um, live up to the expectations. We'll tell everyone that they, that you blew them out of the water, regardless of how it goes. Okay. So that's, that's all I wanted. Yeah. So uh, Hopa, how's your week going so far? Um, it's been good. It's been, I don't know. It's, it's a little odd because I'm on a running break and usually when I'm on a running break, it's like the summer or like, closer to Christmas or around Thanksgiving or something, but I got back after doing a really cool thing this weekend. And then my boss is calling me on Monday. So I'm like, oh, right. Life is different, but also the same. Um, <laughs> so it's been a good week. I've definitely been like riding a bit of a high from this the past weekend, but then also day job calls. So <laughs> Yeah, but well, so before we get to uh, the excitement of last weekend, what's what's the day job? Uh, the day job, I work um, as an executive assistant slash donor management for Boys and Girls Club of Flagstaff. Um, so I kind of work in our on our two-person resource development team, me and my boss. Um, and I work remotely. Primarily, I'll go into the office as needed. Um, so I'll help with like fundraisers, marketing materials. We have like a tax credit push that we're doing right now. Um, so that sort of thing. Yeah. Nonprofit work. Exciting. Yeah. Good stuff. Doing good, doing good for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, not that running isn't also good for the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good on multiple fronts. Um, yeah. Well, also congrats on your awesome race last weekend. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you kind of crushed it. <laughs> or it's like a, like a 59 second PR or something like that. Full minute. Full minute. Oh, wow. Full minute. Even better. It, it's funny, like, saying my new PR out loud because it doesn't, like, it sounds way different, but not that different from my old one. So, like, sometimes in my mind, I'm like, oh, 32, 22, because that's what I've been saying for the last, like, year and a half. And I was like, wait, no, 31. That's the same, but different, but very different. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, very exciting obviously but then also it's like you got the olympic standard that's got to be exciting um and and obviously yeah. just racing for the first time in a while is probably exciting yeah. as well yeah i hadn't touched a track for a race since like a year to the date to that race and an outdoor track the last time i raced on an outdoor track was usa since 2019 so that was 
my first outdoor race in like a year and a half and my first track race in like a year. Oh, that's exciting. And clearly, uh, clearly there was no rust to be busted. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. So I guess my first question, whenever anyone runs like a, a breakthrough race like that is, did you, I mean, I think on some level, everyone thinks that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's in there. But were you, were you working out at that as like goal 10k in practice? Like, was that expected going in? Or was that like even beyond what you were hoping for? Um, I was working out at that intensity and that pacing at practice. So when we did get out into got into that pace and into that rhythm, like it didn't feel foreign to me. Like I had been doing work like that at the altitude adjusted paces and going down um, to Camp Verde to do things like at pace as well. Um, so yes, I would say like, I knew it was in me, but also like, yeah, I knew it was there and I had trained for it and I did go into it knowing that I felt like I was in shape to run what I ran, but I would have to have an A plus plus day to run the standard. It's like, okay, this is the goal, the goal here, but I know that it's still going to take a really good day. I know I'm in shape to run some under 31 or 32 minutes. Um, I thought that like a good day would be like a 31 30 going into it and an A plus day would be the standard. Um, so it, it panned out and I, I did go into it thinking that that was something I could achieve. I knew it would take a really good day. How the race itself feel when you're you're out there doing it? Um. Well, the first eleven laps, I was just able to like get in to rhythm. I found my teammates pretty early on, and we just kind of lined up. And I was like, okay, just stay relaxed as long as possible. Um, it's just like practice. Like I just need to run behind Kellen who that's who I was running behind that day and um it, it was something like just very comforting in a way about like being in the line with the three of them it's like okay this is very familiar I'm running really fast and like something that a few months ago would have been like complete like felt like it was completely over my head and impossible but I feel very in control and relaxed which is a good feeling and then <laughs> um around 11 laps or so I uh, got stuck in a little traffic jam and hit the deck pretty hard. So um, I went down and I like skid across the track. And it was one of those things where everyone tells me like how quickly I got back up. But like when it happens to you, everything just like happens in slow motion. So I'm on the ground and thinking, I was like, well, I have two options. My race is either just done or I get up and get back onto the pack now. Um, so it's like an, an option, non-option. Obviously I'm gonna get up and get back onto the pack best I can. Um, and I was able to like get back on and get reconnected really quickly. Um, and I was right back onto the back of every one, um, like within like a hundred meters. So, then I was there and I had so much momentum from like getting back up and getting back onto everyone so quickly. I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to keep moving. Cause I don't want to get stuck in another traffic jam. If there's more separation, that's going to happening because I need to be in the front to run the standard. Um, and I just kind of kept moving my way up until I was back behind Kellen, like nothing had ever happened. Um, and it turns out when you fall on your face and <laughs> get back up from it. I feel like it goes either one of two ways. You're either just like everything hurts way more than it should have, or you have so much adrenaline, you don't feel pain anymore. And thankfully it was the latter that it was so much adrenaline. You don't feel pain anymore. Um, so I was able to like get right back up and then right back into like the same rhythm I was running in a way that was like almost effortless. And then like into the pack and back into the same spot that I was in before I fell. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm either still gonna have the race of my life or I have just dug my own grave. And I really hope I didn't expend too much energy there getting back in that it's gonna come back and bite me later. So then like after three, four laps, I was like, okay, like I think, I think we're in the clear. Like, I think I can still just 
run a 10K and try to forget that part happened. Um, and then after that, it just felt like a normal race. Um, my, I felt like weird and achy and like strange parts of my body every now and then, instead of like over like race pain signals, like, oh, I'm like so deep over the edge. It was like, oh, my, my stomach feels weird. Why is that? Because there's a huge scab because you fell on the track. <laughs> oh, my lip feels like all swollen. Like, why is that Danny you fell on the track? Um, so yeah, and then about a mile to go, that's kind of when people started putting in more surging and dropped the pace down a bit more and like really like the real race started. And then at that point, like what I had in me was keeping the 75s going. So then Steph and I worked together that last mile and we were able to get the standard. <laughs> yeah. And I will like say that clearly <laughs> there's a maybe a bit of room to grow as well. If uh, you can go down pretty hard in the middle of a race and still run uh, a minute PR. So that's exciting. Wow. Have yeah. you ever like gone down like that in a race before? Um, I did have an incident a year ago in a road race where I did get a little bit tripped up, but I didn't in some, okay, this is going to sound odd, but it's, it was almost better to just go completely down. And cause that other time my foot got clipped and I like caught myself right before I hit the ground. So I think that that kind of like broke my stride more so than just going completely down and then just starting over it's like um, the stunt man thing where they it's like yeah. that's like how they do in action movies it's like you yeah make your body go like just go with it and that's how you yeah. keep from hurting yourself <laughs> right so that time did not go nearly as well so we will say no more about it so that's the only <laughs> time i've gone down but like this is the first time i've gone down on a track um but it, it worked out yeah. In a way, you know, 25 more <laughs> race, you know, break it up a little. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's a, that's a nice distraction, I guess. And how bad is the road rash now? After um, it's, I've still got like quite a bit, like we have oh, this geez. guy here. Um, and then this guy here on my hand and quite <laughs> honestly, my, what hurt, I, I expected, I told Ben after, uh, before the race, I was like, I am fully expecting to feel like absolute death the day after my calves are going to be like an explosion. And he was like, okay, well, we're still going to get on the track and run spikes a little bit. And I was like, I know, but I, I'm, it's going to feel terrible. But my wrist really hurt the day after, like more than my calves. Cause I think this guy right here just like took just jammed the, it. the yeah. ball and it's been like really jammed since. Um, so that that's been the worst part I think was turning doorknobs the day after <laughs> well all things considered I guess it could have gone a lot worse yeah. <laughs> um, and now so I was thinking about this so your 5k pace and your 10k PR are now pretty close to one another right yeah that so we was... got to get you in a 5k <laughs> I know I know I if you know of any fast 5k's popping up let me know oh that keep was... an ear open yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was like something that was kind of funny to me when I was coming around is I, I definitely, it wasn't something that I really wanted to be thinking because I didn't want it to like get to my head. But last year, like the last track race I ran was when I ran my 5k PR at BU at that last chance indoor meet um, or like first chance indoor meet, whatever it is. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go run 74s. And I was splitting some 74s in that 10k and like I, I do remember thinking I was like this is wild like this is what the pace that I was running my 5k in a year ago so yeah it's funny you bring that up because I definitely that thought definitely did like cross my mind well it's so funny because it's the weird it's the 2020 effect right where it's like you know you know every year there's people who are popping off you know like getting really getting to the next level but you usually have like a little more of a heads up when someone's like about to explode but like yeah you did, you did that academic but but you know races all in all i'm pretty few and far between which right is part of why i'm and, excited for the marathon project is oh, like I know. all of those people in there you're like somebody is in incredible shape we just have to find out who it is yeah no it is fun. and like that's i remember like talking about something like that with i think lauren and matt like early when like all the stay at home orders were kind of happening across the country. I was like, we're just going to get some people coming out of the woodworks when this is all over and races start happening again, that are just going to be monsters. Um, 
I'm glad I fell in that category. So you're one of those people now. You're a monster. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you just like, no one knows. And I think that for a lot of us professional runners, like this is how we cope with things in general in life. Um, And we were fortunate for the most part that like we could just keep doing what we were doing um, training wise and like cope in that way. Um, so yeah, it, it will be fun. Like once races are fully back, just seeing who's really like made the most of this crappy year. <laughs> yeah. You have that teammate who, you know, is just crushing it and you can kind of be the hype. Like I'm sure your teammates felt that way about you where it's like, yeah. Oh, Danny's about to pop something. And like, we are the, we're the first ones who know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Kellen did tell me on a run, like the week before the race, she was like, I'm really excited to see what you're going to do. And I was like, thanks mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So that it's funny that you, you mentioned, you know, running with Kellen and like feeling like she's, she's your mom or whatever, but because yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so you're, I guess you're not that, you're not that new to the team, but you're newer than some of the folks that have been on NAZ for a long time. So I guess sort of like, thinking back to when you first joined a kind of existing group, what was that feeling like for you of kind of like, oh my goodness, I'm like joining this pro group that does all this crazy stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I went into this transition in my pro career. So I don't know how much you know about my collegiate career. I went to a small D1 school. So uh, it's called Loyola Marymount University. And I um, I performed like well, but I wasn't like multiple time all American winning national championships. A lot of the races I did were in like smaller California meets. Cause that's like where my team, um, was able to like compete well at, I was kind of the outlier on my team talent wise. Um, and that was also like, quite frankly, what our budget was able to handle. Um, so I would occasionally like go to like some bigger races and stuff, but like those opportunities would happen like a couple of times a year. So I was not used to getting my butt kicked is the bottom line of what I'm getting at. Um, so fish, small pond. Yes. Very. Um, and so like going into my professional career I also came in with like three other girls that had been training at altitude for a long time I was the only one coming from sea level so not only had I never really like gotten my butt kicked in workouts for several years I was also the first the only one coming up from sea level and I just had like a huge aerobic gap to fill um because I had done good work but nothing that was like consistently at a super super high level um So yeah, quite frankly, I was just like getting dragged and blowing up and it was not pretty for a while. It's like, what am I doing here? Like, do I really belong here? Is this something I should be doing? And just feeling like I was constantly behind and trying to catch up. Um, So this going into this year, especially like after seeing, I was injured most of the summer. So I was sidelined and I I really like wanted to make the most of what 2020 was and maybe have a few race opportunities later in the summer, but just like my body just did not pan out that way. Um, And then watching Lauren, Steph and Kellen run those 10 Ks that they ran in September, it was like, okay, like the bar is here and it is very high and I'm not right there. So I need to step it up to really be a contributing member of this team. So it was, it was a big switch this fall. It was like, okay, like I know what I need to do. Like, I just need to do everything that they're doing and I need to not like psych myself out. And I need to really start believing in myself that I belong here, not only on this team, but like as a competitor in the professional running world, like I would second guess that a lot, especially like when things started getting harder races and then I would kind of like slow fade to the back. And like that, that was something that like really needed to switch. Um, And this fall, like I was performing in my workouts. I was doing things that I had seen like my teammates do in like years when I first got in the first couple of years I got there that like, 
at the time when I was just starting training with NAZ and at altitude, like they just, it just seemed impossible. And then suddenly like I was doing it in a workout that was harder than what I had seen them do. So at that point I was like, well, obviously I'm very fit. Um, the standard doesn't seem unreasonable anymore. Um, so I was able to go into that race with that kind of mindset and really put myself in a position to achieve it. Um, so that even when I did take a pretty nasty fall that it wasn't even a second thought of what I was going to do after that. It was, I came here to do a job and to achieve this big thing. Um, I know what I need to do to get back in that position to do it. So here goes nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, a good group of folks to chase for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and definitely, I mean, I know, I think, most people know this, uh, who, who listen to the pod, but you know, you guys, you guys work out hard, even for, even, you know, by pro standards, like that's kind of one of, one of Ben's tenets is that you guys have these kind of big, you know, for lack of a better term, ball buster workouts. So I can imagine that that, that definitely felt like jumping the, the deep end right away. <laughs> yeah, it did. And he did like ease me in, in his own Ben sort of way. Like I wasn't doing everything that like Steph and Kellen were doing my first couple years here. Um, we've worked our way up to that, but he didn't take it easy on me by any means. Cause he has still been, um, I don't think he has that in him to do. Uh <laughs> well, and they're marathoners too. So I think right. like that just adds to it as well, where it's like, there's always kind of the, you know, anything longer. It's like, there's always the that little. It is funny. Like thinking about, the workouts that I've seen them do for marathon training and just when I actually sit down and think about them, like how crazy they actually are. But like, I've seen so many marathon segments at this point. That's like, Oh yeah, it's four ten four, No big deal. That's a normal thing when it's really, really hard. Um, but yeah, that was just like the first one that came to my mind of one yeah, of their when I, when I trained for my first marathon, well, my only marathon, because <laughs> it was last year and this year hasn't exactly had a lot of races. Like <laughs> I remember having that moment where like, I looked at my like Wednesday workout for that week and was like, all right, oh, it's only like 15K work. And I was like, yeah. only 15K. Like when have yeah. I ever thought that before in my entire life? You know? <laughs> yeah. Marathon training, something else. Yeah, it's definitely, and, and you know, did you, so did you run a lot of like 10Ks in college or were you more of like a I ran mile 5K? one 10K in an LMU jersey. For my fifth year, I was out of outdoor eligibility, but I was still finishing up my master's. So I stayed and still trained under Coach Guerrero um, for another semester before pursuing professional opportunities. So I did another 10K while I was still in school, but I wasn't a collegiate athlete anymore. Um, but yeah, I was mostly, I called myself like the 15 5k hybrid runner which my college coach texted me um after my race he's like hey remember when you thought you were a miler and I was like shut up <laughs> <laughs> hey, these days you got to be a good miler to be a good 10k runner so. yep you have to Funny. be a good miler to be, like do anything really because I mean take the London Marathon for example Sarah all got second because she could get like yeah. you have to be able to close in any sort of race that you're in um whether you're like a true miler or not, like that's just something that doesn't hurt to have in the back pocket. That's for sure. Yeah, I so I will say I was looking up your sort of like credentials going into this and found this weird, I'm fascinated for your perspective on this, but there was a Let's Run article about you not getting yeah. to run NCAAs. Yeah. What, what happened there? It was a very okay. indignant editorial on your behalf, but it like kind of didn't seem like they asked you <laughs> for your perspective on it at all. Um, yeah, that, that one, my coach, basically, he, uh, he told me it was coming out, but he didn't like ask, they didn't set me up with let's run to like an interview or something on it. Um, so I just tried to stay out of that as much as possible. So, but uh, yeah, uh, Explain yeah. to the listeners what Here's happened. What happened. Yeah. Here's what happened. Um, so again, that BU 5K in December is notorious in my life. Um, the first, I did it in, God, what year was this? 2016. 
was the first year that I did it. Um, and that was the year I registered across country. I was a senior in college um, and we talked and we thought that that would be the best move for me running career wise. And I was like, okay, but I want to have more competitive race opportunities than just running a few races in Southern California. So my deal with coach G was I run this race at the end of the year and that'll be my season ender. He said, okay. Um, about, oh, maybe a month before that race, we're kind of like getting things together to go and stuff. And I knew, and I knew that like a previous LMU alumni, they had qualified for indoor nationals. And I'm thinking like, I want to run professionally that could potentially open up some doors if I get into another national meet and run well there. So then coach G calls me in and he tells me, Hey, I know you kind of had this in your head that maybe you could be able to run nationals if you ran well at this meet, but I want you to know that the NCAA changed their qualification requirements so that if a school doesn't fully sponsor and fully meet sponsorship requirements for indoors, they cannot have athletes compete at NCAAs. Me knowing that those me, me, coach G, coach G, knowing that those rules changed, he, um, so basically you have to like, at the beginning of like the fiscal year, you have to say if you had the intent to sponsor certain sports. So what he had done for um, Tara Erdman now Welling, that was the previous LMU alumni that had gone to nationals indoors. Um, they said that they had the intent to sponsor indoor. The NCAA gives you money when you don't like fully meet the sponsorship requirements, you give that back. So it's like no, no skin off of LMU's back. They just are able to send someone to indoors if they should qualify. Um, that year, knowing that the rules had changed, he did not say that the, we had the intent to sponsor indoors. So going into that race, I, he asked me if I still want to do it. I said, of course, I still want to do it. I just want to have more opportunities to run in a competitive field. I ended up PRing by like four or five seconds. It was a really good day. I was very happy. I finished that thinking my season was over and I knew I would not run at indoor nationals. That was December. So then we get to late February, early March, like around the time that like the nationalists are coming out. I, I, I did like look to see, because like it goes off the TFERS list. Um, and I, I was like, okay, I would have been like 10th and I would have gone, that sucks, but whatever. Then we find out that there's another school in our conference that's in a similar situation and they were able to get a waiver. So um, coach G kind of like asked this other coach about him. I was like, how did you do that? Um, and he is kind of like, what the hell? I didn't know that that was an option. We're going to try to fight to get Danny in. So then at this point, I'm still in the dark. I have no idea any of this is happening. I'm just like, training for outdoor. I'm like, okay, like I need to make nationals and outdoors and have a good season there. Yada, 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 all that good stuff. Um, and he calls me into his office and he's like, Hey, or no, no, I was in, I was in class and he called me and I was like, that's weird. He knows I'm busy right now. Why is he calling me? This is probably urgent. I'm going to go to the, go to the bathroom and see what it's about. Um, and then he was like, hey, don't freak out, but there's a slight chance that you could run at indoor nationals. And I'm like, what? Um, he's like, yeah. So we just, I've been trying to like keep you out of the loop on this so that like you don't get too like worked up either way, but we already have all the paperwork filled out to appeal. You just need to sign um, and like, give a small letter of intent that they'd already kind of like had prepared for me. And I was like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> so then at that point I'm getting my hopes up, um, as one would. And then it's just kind of a really sucky next two weeks of just sending appeal after appeal and just getting multiple no's because we knew the rules had changed and he followed them. And then the NCAA kind of went back on what the rules were and then weren't letting me in, even though other people in my situation were getting the chance to compete. That's, it's just so like stupid. Like, yeah. 
There's so it much. Is. And it's like, that was, I mean, that's, I've, I talked a bit about being from a small school and like something like that, like that gave, that gives me a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Right. Cause it's like, I'm, I was obviously, I had a top 10 time in the nation. I was talented enough and had the credentials to get into a national meet, but because of the school that I chose, that was the right fit for me as a person and me and coach G worked really well together. And I loved my time there. I was barred from certain opportunities um, because I didn't go to a big school and have a big name on my chest and didn't like rub elbows with the right people in college. So uh, it makes me extra thankful for where I'm at now, but then like, ugh, like thinking back to like things like that and like all that sort of BS that I dealt with in college of just like trying to get in and get my foot in the door and be a name. Cause I knew that I had races like Saturday in me um, and get those opportunities to learn how to perform on the bigger stages. Um, it was really frustrating um, to not have that and then feel like I'm behind, not only like physically um, coming in starting to train at altitude with people that are older than me and better than me and faster than me, which is what I wanted. Um, but then also just like opportunity wise, I felt behind as well. Yeah. It's like, it's such a pet peeve of mine is the, the gatekeeping of mm -hmm. like, you know, track and field and, and running in general. Cause it's like the sport, you know, running is hard and <laughs> running fast yeah. is hard <laughs> enough. And, and, you know, and everybody, you know, who is accomplishing stuff in the sport is working really hard to do that no matter, you know, what level of sort of like privilege or access or whatever they have. And I think, I mean, the NCAA is notorious for like stupid stuff like that, but, but right. I think you see it all the time too with, you know, with any sort of level, whether it's, you know, different brands having different levels of power or, you know, who gets right. to go to Europe for meets and stuff. And it's just. And then once you're in Europe, like who actually gets into good races and whatnot. And it, it is, it is like silly in a way it's a, a sport that should be the most objective of all sports. It's if you have a fast time, then shouldn't that in theory allow you to compete against other people that have also run fast times. But yeah, the, the track politics are real. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, I think in a weird way, like I think social media actually can kind of help with this where it's like, I think a lot of what happens sometimes, like, like you were saying, it's like people from, you know, whatever smaller backgrounds or more limited experiences. It's like, you just don't know. Like I remember, you know, every um, summer, you know, you go to open meets and there's high schoolers there. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't know you could race in the summer in high school, you know, <laughs> like I, that was not a thing for when, for me at all, you know, it was barely like, I had barely had the awareness of like, oh, like NXN is, you know, a thing or whatever. Or well, yeah, I didn't know what like NXN and Foot Locker were until I was a senior in high school. Um, in a yeah. way, it's like a blessing in disguise because you're like, because yeah. some people you're like, wait to develop, you know, it's <laughs> like that can help, but it is. It is crazy how there's such a, there is, there's hopefully, maybe this is my optimistic now that I've complained about it. It's like, there's a democratizing level of sort of like everything being out on the internet, everyone can kind of know about the chances that, that right. are out there, you know? Right. And not only the chances, but like at the professional level, the social media is out there and you can help market yourself and like elevate your own profile not only like from the times you've run but just like who you are as a person and making yourself like a desirable person for races to want to have you there so it's like that's kind of more in your own hands instead of like letting the track politics take their way yeah I mean I think actually one of the things that was that was a perfect segue because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that and so NAZ Elite is like I think of it I guess as you guys are very like transparent and good with like the social media thing. And it was like, I will say like kind of hard to find stuff about you when I was like <laughs> researching for the podcast. So is that like, I guess sort of what's your like personal mantra for the the social stuff? Like, is that something you have like thought really consciously about or, or um, like a 
a self set of rules for for what yeah. you want to be. I'm working on it. It's definitely a work in progress. Like I think, I mean, it goes back to like some of the things we were talking about earlier. Like I just felt a little bit lost, um, and that kind of thing is hard to share. And I think I've done an okay job at some points, like tapping into that a little bit. But it's like then you take a step back and think, I'm like, do I really want that to be my narrative if that's something I'm insecure about? Um, so I think I'm trying to like find my footing in it a little bit more and just kind of tapping into like, not like who I wanna be because I want to be very transparent on there. And I think that's what makes it challenging. Um, and also like I've run fine before but I hadn't done anything like really huge until now yeah it's something I, I still am working on and figuring out but I, I want to always like be authentic and be transparent and not just put something out for the sake of like putting things out there um so it's kind of where I stand on it yeah it's tough I mean I think also there's like the balance it's a balance like anything yeah. you know and it's like you also we, we talk a lot, there's like a recurring theme in the podcast, but you know, it's like, how much of yourself do you owe to the world as like a, you know, I mean, you know, a visible person, you know, it's like anybody who is kind of a professional athlete that kind of comes with the territory now. It's like you are, have a social media presence, but you also have privacy and have, you know, the right to not share everything with the world if you don't want to. And it's still figuring out that hopefully I'll feel a bit more, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but I'm, I want to be open and I want to be authentic. Finding I think, your footing. I feel like maybe that's the theme of the yeah, podcast is like footing. literal and metaphorical. Finding your <laughs> the footing. literal footing was lost on Saturday a little bit, but the metaphorical footing is definitely finding its way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say one of the things I did notice that I got very excited about, and I'm sorry, this is going to come off as very nerdy, is you had a, you had a Mandalorian quote in one of your Instagram. Oh. Are you watching it? I love nerdy. Bring on the nerdy. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm all caught up. <laughs> okay, good. We, I feel like we, we shouldn't spoil it for people because not everybody is caught up. But what are, you, what's your, what are your general thoughts on the season so far? I like it a lot. I, I really, I mean, they brought back like one of my personal favorite characters from like overall with bringing in more from like Clone Wars and stuff without like saying any names of who they brought back, but I love her. Um, so I, I think, think that, that's, that's, that's a spoiler that I think is allowed because that's like all of our social media and stuff. They okay, brought yeah. back so, Ahsoka. So, so okay. Yeah. Um, I was really excited about bringing her in and kind of like hearing more of her stories because I've watched like most of Clone Wars, but I haven't watched all of Rebels. When you say, I mean, like you brought up nerdy, like I am really nerdy. This is, so. you don't know how happy this is making me. <laughs> like this is my... Cause like, I always say like, I'm nerdy about a lot of things, but I'm most nerdy about Star Wars. Like that's yeah. like my biggest thing. So this is making yeah. me very happy right now. <laughs> well, I was, um, I will tell you, I was watching uh, Empire Strikes Back right before I took my pre-race nap and I turned it off right at like my favorite scene where like Luke is in Dagobah with Yoda and they're like talking about like the do or do not, there is no try. And then Yoda like talks about believing in, in himself in leaving in yourself. I'm like, ah, this is perfect. I'm going to nap now. This is like the energy I needed for tonight. That's a good, um, for, but, for Fobble's podcast, the Instagram captions for movies. You're like, you yeah. can always have uh, Star Wars. Yoda quotes are good running I, I captions. just lean into my nerdy side more. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I was really excited about Ahsoka. And I thought that that was a cool thing to bring back in and kind of like loop it together without making it like so overtly like oh the main saga and just kind of like deep like diving in more to the side stories I also will say that like I think as a show as a whole um I think tv television shows a way better pacing for a Star Wars series because it just takes I mean the older best movies like they move slowly like if you go back and watch them and I think that like with some of the newer ones they just try to shove so much in there that it just ends up being not very good. And like a lot of the charm and the appeal of Star Wars is in like 
those relationships and those smaller moments, which I think a television show captures really well. So I think just watching like the Mandalorian and like baby Yoda, like interact and like watching like that friendship, father, son relationship, like giving it its time instead of just like going to another explosion while also having a lot of like cool, um, like storylines and like just really doing the Star Wars universe justice in a very beautiful, intriguing, captivating way. That is my review of Mandalorian. I love it. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I totally agree. Like I, I've really been enjoying it so far and there are, I, I mostly like the new movies. I mean, mm -hmm. episode nine was kind of rough, but like, <laughs> um, I, I do like that they, it feels like like original trilogy Star Wars. Right. Like, and right. I don't know if you saw this is very well timed because they literally yesterday announced that they're doing an Ahsoka television show. I did see that. They're <laughs> also doing the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Hayden Christensen is coming back. Gonna be in it, well. which is so weird because I'm like, are they gonna, I'm like, are they gonna change his voice to make him sound like James Earl Jones? Like. I mean, they had to do it for Revenge of the Sith somehow, so. Well, they had James Earl Jones do the audio in Revenge of the Sith, and okay. it was just him in the suit. So I have no idea what they're going to do, but it's going to be very interesting. Disney's going to gonna do their Disney thing, and I'm going to watch it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You clearly have excellent taste because I will say, speaking of our friend Scott, my favorite episode of his podcast is the Princess Bride one. <laughs> so, really? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I literally, I love that movie so much. It's and my like, favorite movie. <laughs> I literally, I okay. not met before, David. I feel like. Because like, of the 2020 pandemic. It's horrible. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. This is, so my most recent Princess Bride experience was, I was literally, I was, my family and I have a Zoom every Sunday night. And so okay. like, which is nice. Like, it's actually, it's like, we talk like way more than we did like before the <laughs> pandemic. Um, but we were, I was on my family Zoom and we have two pairs of Normatec pants in my apartment. And my roommate and my boyfriend were sitting in the TV room watching The Princess Bride while I was on my family Zoom. And I could hear, like, I know that movie so well that I could hear, like, sound effects oh, yeah. and know, like, what part of the movie they were in. And I was just getting so <laughs> mad at them because I'm like, I, I love my family. I love talking to them. But, like, but my, I love my boyfriend are in the other room more. sitting in Norma Tech <laughs> pants watching Princess Bride. And that is so ideal. <laughs> oh, man, that's incredibly relatable. Like, yeah. I it's, that is such a good movie and so also good. a good pre-race movie like talk about like the one you watch in the hotel beforehand oh, yeah. like that's such an easy one to throw like, on pre-race you're looking for something that just makes you feel good but is also kind of mindless and I've watched that movie so many times that I don't have to pay attention to it but again like if I hear a sound effect I know where they're at um so <laughs> yeah it's a uh, favorite movie all time Great, great stuff. That's, I love to hear it. Um, okay, the other thing before we wrap up. So do, do you celebrate Christmas, by the way? Yes. Okay, so that was that was one of the things I wanted to ask. But before we get to that. I got the Mexican-Irish double whammy. We celebrate Christmas. Perfect, you, sell, you hella celebrate Christmas. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask, so uh, first of all, so I'm, presumably people who love you will maybe listen to this. So is there anything you want for Christmas that you want to put out there in the universe in case? I am really terrible about telling people what I want for Christmas. And then it's something that like a month later, I'll be like, oh, that would have been a good thing to ask for. But every year I get asked and my poor boyfriend, God bless him, always comes up with something great, but I am no help. Um, <laughs> so there's something probably back in the inner workings of my mind that I do want, but voicing it has always been a struggle. All right. Well, that's a, uh, well, it sounds like based on the conversation, I'm like a baby Yoda doll might be. I, I do. Yeah. Baby Yoda, anything. I do like baby Yoda. <laughs> and then the other thing, the other thing I was thinking of is I, I know a lot of uh, people who are runners and who know runners get this. So as a recommendation, what are, what are some good runner Christmas gift ideas that you can give to the audience? What's, oh what's working well for you? <laughs> um, well, the Clifton Sevens are amazing. I do really, really love them. So shameless plug, 
buy some Clifton Sevens if you're in the market for some new running shoes. I'm a Rincon um, boy, so buy some huh? Rincons. Buy some Rincons well, if you like. Too, but I really like the Clifton Sevens. Um, and then I also got the a new the Bryce Ther- Theragun thing, um, the massage gun. I really like that. That has been very kind, but also very painful to my hamstrings, but in a nice way. Hurts so good. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the last thing before we wrap up with our, our questions, um, I asked uh, I asked one of your teammates, I was like, oh, what should I ask Danny about? And he was like, Danny has really good taste in music. So <laughs> what was your best album of the year? What, what was your favorite of 2020? two all right um one because it's just objectively very very good and the other one because i was injured and sad all summer um <laughs> so fiona apple fetch the bolt Club. oh my god that's literally on my list amazing. for best of the year <laughs> it was amazing it was like just like lyrically it was so good like it was so interesting production wise and i just loved it i loved everything about it um and then phoebe bridger's punisher um, I listened to like, I know the end on repeat because I was injured and sad during the summer. Good, so good sad boy um, music, yeah, sad girl music. <laughs> music, but I, I thought that was also just like a very, again, like lyrically interesting album and very just, I mean, I don't want to say like fun to listen to, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but it's just a mood. It's like a, it's gray and misty outside and I just want to sit in my feels kind of album. Um, but those were my two of this year that I would rate very, very highly. Sometimes you're like, it's like, I, like, I wish there was more sad stuff happening in my life so I could embrace it more, (laughs) which is horrible. And like, it's totally tempting fate for something bad to happen to me, but like, well, I mean, if there's a year for depressing music, True. it's 2020. And 2020 gave us a new Phoebe Bridgers album and a new Bright Eyes album. And I don't know what else I really need to say about it because that's all you need is a soundtrack for 2020. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the endorsement <laughs> right there. Um, awesome. Well, so to wrap it up, we asked the, our, all of our guests the same three questions. So um, the first one is, uh, what is your Instagram crush, which can be like interpreted as broadly as you would like. Like it doesn't have to be a literal crush and it doesn't have to be literally on Instagram, but like, what are you feeling on the internet these days? Right. Um, I mean, I did think about that one when you may have sent me the questions ahead of time and that's allowed (laughs) i I was gonna say phoebe bridgers because her twitter is hilarious but i feel like now talked too much about phoebe bridgers but that is the honest answer that's a good one yeah she i feel like a lot of that's like a very like uh like gen z musician thing now it's like like lil nas x like troy savon like you need casey musgraves like you need to be really funny on twitter now too she just has this like dark humor that I, it always just like cracks me up. So nice. I really like Phoebe Bridgers if I have it. I will say, um, I do feel like not to pressure you, but the next one is your go-to karaoke song. And I feel like she's not quite upbeat enough. No, but I have thought about that one too. Um, when you, and I got that one, I was like, oh, I already have a go-to karaoke song that like I thought about that I would pick. Um, Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've said Shania Twain for for uh, karaoke songs before. I know, uh, I think both Kellen and Ben said "Friends in Low Places" by Garth Brooks. So clearly, that's uh, that's the unofficial anthem of NBC Elite. <laughs> I um, guess so. <laughs> but you kept the country theme, so that's uh, that's you know in keeping with the the tone. It makes it uh, NBC Elite karaoke night will be very. Uh, <laughs> That's a good idea. That would be kind of maybe post-marathon project. Oh, definitely. Like I machine and make them. You don't really need a lot either. Like we could we it's because we've done karaoke in the track house at Boston, and it's like yeah. you just need like a microphone and YouTube because like everything yeah. has like YouTube huh. versions. That's so. true. That could be fun. Maybe. I highly recommend. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. Today's your last day. What do you want to eat? <laughs> 
Oh. I don't know if I have anything, like, super specific. But, like, if someone was, like, I grew up in L.A. and, like, I went to school in L.A. So, like, my, I ran in college. So, my pastime, I wasn't partying a lot. I would just go eat food. So, I can't think of like a specific place, but I think if someone was like bringing me a meal, I would ask for something from like one of those really bougie restaurants just to say that I've had it. Um, so that's my answer. Cause that's, I wouldn't want to like pay hundreds of dollars for a meal, but I want to eat one. Yeah. I like that. That's like um, me and my, my, my friend James came up with the idea of like uh, we call it fancy dinner where mm -hmm. it's like once every I think we said like once a year but it's like once every, if you have something to celebrate it's like you have a fancy dinner where you go to like a yeah. really expensive restaurant and you're like we do not care what this bill is going to be like right. we're getting appetizers we're getting cocktails we're getting sides we're getting desserts like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah you can just have a full fancy dinner I love that yeah so next next anniversary or birthday or whatever it's like that's a good like way to way to really embrace the celebration yeah no kidding but no like we like every now and then like Jack my boyfriend and I like we would go do something like that when we lived in LA but like Flagstaff does have some very good places to eat but like it's not LA yeah um, I mean I think that's fair I think even yeah. <laughs> the most loyal of Flagstaff people would be like you know smaller yeah. restaurant scene <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what sounds really good like I could go for like some Argentinian food and with like empanadas and like milanesa and um, and Tanya. He's like, you sound like such an LA person right now. You're not getting that. <laughs> Dare to dream. That's what the death row meal is for. Is like that's yeah. when you're, you're like, you know, what? we're getting it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know how, but we're getting it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is super fun. Um, I hope the the listeners appreciate our 20 minutes of Star Wars nerdery, but it, you know what? It's oh. staying in the final cut. <laughs> I mean, it's it's authentic. Yeah. Oh, and th that is the purpose of this podcast is 20 minutes yeah. of Star Wars ner nerdery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but awesome. I hope we do get to actually meet in person one day I know. Um, I'm sure we will knock on wood for 2021 race calendar being a, a little more full um yes. one way or another I'm going to try and get to trials and you punched your ticket there already so uh hopefully at the very least we can wave at each other from six feet away there <laughs> fingers crossed awesome well thanks again I really appreciate it have a have a good weekend thank you you too um and until next time this has been run your mouth Okay, so you're Brad Pitt. That don't impress me much.